I'm Jasper Weir, president and co-founder of Taskus. These are our mission and values. Welcome to Mission and Values. This is a podcast about the why and how behind remarkable startup cultures. I'm your host, Brian Landers. This is episode 12, and it marks the end of season one. If this is your first time hearing the show, welcome. I hope you listened to the 11 previous episodes. Scaling company culture is not an easy endeavor, and my guests have shared how they've navigated it and managed their team under the trying conditions of hyper-growth. Stick around at the end of this episode to hear what's next for the show and how you can get involved. I'm really excited to share this episode with you because it's exactly the kind of culture I hoped to explore when I started the show. So let's dive in. Now, the best company cultures are an ever-changing collection of beliefs and behaviors. So the details you'll hear today document just this moment in time. Today, I'm talking to Jasper Weir, president and co-founder of Task Us. Welcome to the show, Jasper. Thanks for having me, Brian. So great to have you on. Uh, we've been friends for a while, both living in Los Angeles, so I'm, I'm glad to chat with you. Me too. Glad to be on the show. So despite being ranked uh, one of Inc.'s 500 fastest growing companies in America, I feel like the, the tech press in general has been relatively quiet about you guys over there. So, so let's start off from the beginning. Tell us, what is Task Us? So Task Us today is the go-to company that helps fast-growing technology firms scale their customer support and back office operations. It's a fancy way of saying we operate call centers, but do so in a way that's really centered around what the fastest growing uh, unicorns and other uh, large internet companies look for in an outsourcing provider. Okay, that makes sense. And can you name a few of your customers? You mentioned the unicorns there that we might have heard of before. So you've definitely heard of a lot of our customers. They are the people changing the way that we look at transportation, food delivery, and a whole host of other things. Um, some clients that we can mention are listed on our website. So Whisper, Tinder, Eventbrite, Adroll, all companies like that, including a whole bunch of other uh, larger public technology companies, all leverage task us for their scale. Excellent. Yeah, I think I saw or heard maybe uh, your co-founder Bryce mentioned Twitter and LinkedIn in addition to those big ones you named. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Definitely heard of those ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> those are some awesome companies. Let's get some context on the size of your culture. So roughly how many employees and locations do you have now? So we've got about 6,000 employees globally. Most of those are in the Philippines. We have five different full-service centers that we operate. So these are all full-time employees at Tasca's facilities. And if you haven't checked it out, we, uh, we take a pretty special approach to how we build out our offices there. It's the furthest thing away uh, from what you think about when you think of a call center. So most of our employees are there. We also have some in El Salvador. And also we've recently launched in San Antonio to offer a domestic option. Uh, that's where the bulk of our employees are. We have headquarters here in Santa Monica with about 50 people and offices in San Francisco and New York as well. That's incredible. And we'll, we'll talk again about the spaces that you've been creating for your culture, just because I know that it's pretty remarkable. Um, we'll get to that. Let's talk about the mission of Task Us. What is the purpose that you and your team work towards each day? It's a great question, Brian. And it's something that's changed over time. The business has changed over time. And with that, the mission is something that has changed. Uh, there are a lot of things that are kind of at the core the same. But today, the mission is really to empower people 
and make partnership with the best in class customer experience technologies to power the world's most innovative companies. I got it. And that seems very well aligned with the needs of your customers, but also internally with your employees. So that makes a lot of sense. Would you say that the mission kind of is, you know, known throughout the company? Does everyone, if you ask them what the mission was, would they be able to say that back to us? You know, Brian, I got to be honest. I don't know if everyone could say back the mission. Everyone could say our core values. Everyone could recite probably all of our core values, all 6,000 employees. Uh, I, I bet we get a, at least a passing rate on being able to say the core values. That's really what we focus on. If you ask people about the mission of Taskus, the one thing that runs true throughout the whole organization is a relentless focus on employee experience. And so every strategic decision we make in our centers in the Philippines and other places, everything that we do is centered around our employees. And we have a lot of data to back up how that has allowed us to be better than and differentiated from our competitors. So I think if you ask everybody uh, about the mission, people would probably talk about the employee experience uh, because we're in a people business. Um, We're not a technology business. We're a people business. And so I think people would probably respond by saying that we really do uh, practice what we preach when it comes to creating employee experiences that are amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that comes through loud and clear on your website and your blog. So that resonates with the messaging you have externally. So that's great to hear. Give us an idea of what kinds of outsourced tasks from these other startups that teammates there might get up to. Yeah, sure. So the bulk of our work will split into two general categories. One is customer experience or usually customer support. So let's say you uh, send in an email to your favorite app when you have a problem um, and you get a response back. That could be someone at TaskUs. There are other things uh, like content moderation. So on your favorite social network, the reason why there generally is not inappropriate or lewd content is because we are moderating the images and posts to allow these social networks to remain safe. Um, Those are a couple of examples of some of the frequent uh, things that our teams are doing. That's great. Yeah. Thank you on behalf of everyone on social networks, um, (laughs) being able to enjoy that experience and not have to see that stuff. I remember there was a Wired article a few years back that shared some of those details about the experience of your employees to, to have to kind of process that kind of just the nastiness that can happen when you essentially let, you know, anyone online post content to social networks. And that moderation, like I said, makes it possible for the rest of us to have a good experience on those products. But that must be difficult for your teammates. Yeah, it it is. It's an interesting subject, um, one that that we're pretty passionate about. Um, But ultimately, when you look at it from the perspective of what we're doing in the Philippines, these jobs are really good jobs for people there in terms of some of the alternatives that are available. And they're oftentimes the starting point to a career. Um, Some people who, who work on those jobs may not have the skills yet to do, let's say, an email customer support program. But by offering these jobs, people one, have great passion and a sense of purpose when they're doing these, almost like uh, a police task force in terms of keeping things safe out of the harm of kids and stopping things like one of our clients, Whisper, we have helped Whisper to remove all forms of bullying, uh, um, cyber bullying. Mm. And we've seen their competitors go out of business because you have things like literally suicides happening because of posts, nasty posts on these sites. Yeah. And so these are really important jobs. And we offer services like full-time psychologists and making sure that we are in touch with our employees so that when they are doing some things that that may be perceived as, as challenging, they do have some outlets to go to to make sure that they are maintaining a healthy workplace. 
Yeah, thank you for your honesty there. And I think, you know, you have a referral rate from your employees to potential new employees that's pretty much unparalleled. Can you tell us what that number is? Yeah, that's right. You know, and culture is so important. Culture is hard to quantify. So we really do look at metrics where we can tie back to culture when what we're building is working. And employee referral rates is really important in our business. We grow so fast, right? We're interviewing literally thousands of people each week and hiring hundreds. Oh, wow. It is a constant battle to get the best talent in. And so the best talent, as I think we all know from running companies or being part of companies here, comes from employee referrals. The industry average of employee referral rate is about 30% of applicants coming from employee referrals. At TaskUs, we're at 71%, which is a number that we're really proud of. To me, that shows that people like working at TaskUs and want their friends to come and have the experience as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that number speaks volumes about how you're handling things and keeping it healthy. That's great. Congratulations on that work. It's incredible. Thank you. You know, a lot of times in in marketplace businesses, there's this distinction between the internal team and the demand side team that makes up the workforce. Mm -hmm. Organizationally, is there any distinction between employees that do work for task us customers and those that do, you know, internal company centric work? Yeah, not really. I mean, everything for us, we don't consider ourselves really a marketplace because everything, I mean, they're all task us employees. Everyone's an employee. And so whether or not you're actually working on a program and answering emails or sitting here in headquarters and, you know, working on marketing, uh, we're all part of the same team. Um, there are, you know, some differences, of course, just by the way of cultural nuances. Running a small team here in Santa Monica, it's a different organization than the 6,000 person org in the Philippines. So there are differences there, but we like to make sure that everyone is, uh, is on the same team. And for us, we put the frontline employees, the people that are on our programs first. And strategically, again, everything we do is about them. Yep, absolutely. Um, We're going to talk about some of those core values that we've been alluding to in a moment. But I want to ask, what size was the company when you and your co-founder, Bryce, decided to create shared values? And why did you create them? It's something that we, neither Bryce nor I went to business school. And so uh, education and ongoing education for us is super important. And so we're both kind of fiends for content. And so we've always uh, sought out um, experts, blogs, uh, speakers, and outside help. And so we actually had some consultants early on, must have been about 2010 or so. And so the company maybe had just passed a million or $2 million in revenue. So still really small. Um, we probably had a few hundred people in the Philippines at that point. And we didn't know, you know, this is our first company that we started right out of college. And so there's a lot we, we didn't know, and there's still a lot that we don't. And so we brought in some consultants who kind of came in and, and gave us a, it's almost like a, it was like a mini MBA where the, mm-hmm. they're, they're coming in and saying, all right, here's how you run strategic planning. Here's how you run a meeting. Here's how you set goals. But let's start with your mission and values. It's important to have those. So it was probably, it's probably three years in, um, but really the first three years of our company was, was kind of different and, and, you know, uh, in many ways, uh, an utter failure. Um, so once things really started picking up is when we uh, established the core values. I guess that, that outside help pushed us to uh, show us how important it was to start with core values. That seems really smart. I hadn't heard anyone mention getting outside help before, but it makes you wonder why not everyone does. About how many employees was that at that time too, that three years in? So in Santa Monica, we were probably we were probably seven employees or so, you know, somewhere in the five to ten range. In the Philippines at that point, we were probably a few hundred. Okay. 
Got it. So with the core values that you decided to create at that time, how do you know they're working and you know, how did you create them and how do you know that they're good core values? Yeah, it's a good question. So when you look at traditional core values and some big corporations that, you know, their core values are honesty, integrity, respect, um, those are all core values of companies like Enron. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, yep. right? Yeah, I'm sure you've heard that before. I think if you have to state those things, you've already failed. Yes. Core values need to be specific. Um, they need to be specific and true to the company. And so when you look at our eight core values, uh, all have passed the following three tests. And I didn't come up with these things. Uh, th- these were taught to me. So the three tests that you have to ask yourself are, would you pay money or leave money on the table to ensure that this core value was being lived? It's number one. Number two is, would you confront a colleague or employee if they were not living this core value? And number three is, would you ultimately fire somebody if they consistently did not meet this core value? And so you have to run every core value through those three tests, and they all have to pass before they become a core value. And I'll give you an example of something that didn't pass. So for us, health and wellness is really important. It's really important to Bryce and myself personally and a lot of the people at our company. And we had talked about making that a core value. But ultimately, it didn't pass the test. Because if someone wasn't living a healthy lifestyle, but was a fantastic employee, it's not my place to fire them for that, right? And so we couldn't, in good conscience, make that a core value. It can still be a focus of the company, but for us, did not pass the test to make it a core value. That's excellent. Yeah, I've never heard a framework like that before, but I've heard pieces of it. I think David Cancel, who was on the show a bit back, mentioned that like, yeah, people talk a lot about these values, but unless you're willing to fire on them, then you're just talking, you know? That's right. That's great. I mean, that makes a lot of sense and it gives us some context to, you know, the strength of these values and how they've been tested. What's been challenging in terms of scaling this culture that you have now to the size that it is because it's grown so much? Yeah. At the sheer size and number of locations and just growth rate has definitely made it challenging, uh, which is why core values become more and more important. When you're operating a startup in one office and you are the founder or founders and you're in the office every day, it's easy to instill or easier to instill those core values because you're there all the time. You are the enforcer of those core values. And so it certainly was challenging, especially working globally as we began opening locations and hiring by the hundreds that um, we we couldn't be a part of every single interview, not even for some of the managers. And so wow. uh, we had to work core values into our hiring practices. And it's I, I can't say it's perfect. It's, it's, uh, it's tough. But it's something that we look at especially when we hire executives and managers, because they're the ones that are going to push down the core values. And so you have to find people that are aligned to your mission and good value fits, because they are going to be the ones to spread the core values of the company. So it's not perfect. And at this rate, um, I I don't know of a way where it could be, but by making it front and center from the interview process and other things that we do to live and make sure the core values are not just things on the wall um, is how we maintain it. I'm happy to, to share some of those things as well. 
Yeah, let's cover them when we bring up some specific values I want to hear. Um, so let's dive into some of these core values. Uh, you have eight of them. We're not going to cover all of them on the show just because of time constraints. Um, but I will list them in the show notes and link to more details about them on your website because you guys do a great job of being very upfront and clear about what they are and, and explaining what they mean, which is pretty remarkable actually in and of itself because a lot of companies may list them, but they don't explain like what they mean and talk about them in their blog. So I think you're doing a great job there. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. So I want to ask, you have this really fun and special value that's be ridiculous is what Mm -hmm. it is. So Mm -hmm. you got to tell me about that one. What does that mean to you at Task Us? You know, that's all, we didn't have all these core values to start. So some have been added. Uh, So be ridiculous is one that has been added. Uh, When we went through a rebrand maybe four years ago and came up with the tagline, uh, ridiculously good outsourcing. This is something that, that, that came through to us. Um, it means something different for everybody. Uh, it's actually my favorite interview question that I ask to, as a values fit, is I ask people, be ridiculous as a core value. What does that mean to you? Ah. And for us, I think it's, if you look at our industry, it's a fairly stale industry with a lot of really big established players and people do things because that's how they're done. It's prevalent from the top down, which is why when people think about call centers and calling customer support, there's so much frustration because you feel like they just don't understand me. They're not listening to me. They're just reading from a script. And so Be Ridiculous is is about individuality. Be Ridiculous is about questioning the way things are done. And for us, if you look at our brand and you look at what we've created in the Philippines, and we have, for example, an office called Chateau Ridiculous, which, has, <laughs> I love that. which is steampunk themed, has blimps and airplanes. And yes, I saw this online. There's a 360 panorama view on YouTube. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. And, and elevators as conference rooms. I mean, it's just totally crazy. But for us, it, it is ridiculous because we don't want to be a normal call center. And the first way we do that is saying, all right, well, let's not make it look like a normal call center. Let's not treat people like it's a call center. And then maybe when you get on the phone or get an email from us, maybe you won't feel like you're interacting with a normal call center. That makes total sense. Is it working? Uh, so, I mean, yes, and not without its challenges, but I think having Be Ridiculous as a core value ensures that people know we're serious about being different and people know we're serious about, hey, this is not, we're not trying to be like everybody else. We're really trying to establish our own identity in this space. Yeah. I mean, it certainly comes across as a really fun environment. And it seems like there's just so many cool videos you guys have posted about people dancing. You try to break records with, you know, number of people doing the running man and things like that. (laughs) So, I mean, it's definitely that is coming through that people are enjoying their time there. Um, You have another value that that goes work hard, have fun. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to your team? And is there a difference between work hard, have fun and the commonly heard work hard, play hard? I'm so glad you asked that. And yes, I do not like work hard, play hard. Tell um, me why. Yeah, let's hear. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with people that do it. For me, I don't like it because to me, when I think of work hard, play hard, I think of an investment banker who goes out <laughs> and works for 14 hours a day and then goes and parties all night. And yeah. that's right. And like, that's not healthy. And that's not the kind of environment I want to create. It also connotes like work hard and hate your work, but do it. So you can, then you can go out and have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Work hard, have fun for me is about you should be having fun at work. No matter what it is, it's we work way too often and way too much to not enjoy what we do. And so it's about infusing fun into the work, into the workplace. And so you love where you work. And it's not about just waiting until you can clock out and then go have fun. 
That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Do any of your other locations sort of facilitate that? You know, like we were talking about with the steampunk themes. I know you guys have pretty amazing perks as well. Does the environment sort of support that having fun while you're on the job too? Yeah, absolutely. And if you walk into any of our centers, you can just kind of, you can feel the energy, you can feel the difference, right? Some locations have music blasting, which is kind of unusual. Mm -hmm. uh, But ultimately, you walk in and people are just happy. Um, And again, a lot of that starts from the environment. Every theme of the office is by our employees. So we have another one that's inside of a mall. And and you're walking by and you see a coffee shop. And, and it looks like an artisanal coffee shop you find here, like, you know, in Santa Monica or in San Francisco. And you walk in, anybody can get a free coffee and it's just a really nice coffee shop. But behind the closed doors is actually where all of our recruitment and production areas are. And so you can come ah. in, stay for, I say, come in, grab a coffee and stay for the career. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty impressive if it works, too. I mean, I, it's just so interesting that it results in people, you know, taking jobs. It's one thing to have the beautiful Apple store and then probably whatever they have behind the beautiful wall there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But in this case, you guys have working operations, it sounds like, and people working back there. That's right. That's pretty incredible. That's kind of exciting in sort of like a spy kind of secret layer kind of way. Yeah. (laughs) One of your values is exercise emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. That sounds like one of those values that might have come from some kind of learning experience that you had or created as a reaction to something. What does it mean to exercise emotional intelligence and what's the origin of that value? Yes, um, it certainly is, Brian. So exercise emotional intelligence uh, really is about making decisions and interacting with both your colleagues and your clients in an emotionally responsible way. It's about really like dropping your ego at the door and making the decision as to what is best for the company. Um, It's not about you and your goals. It's about the company. It's about the client. And so when people act without a level of emotional intelligence, it disrupts from the product we can produce for our clients. And it's really destructive to uh, to working relationships amongst colleagues. So we had struggles with that early on, I think, uh, with uh, some early uh, immature managers and probably stemming from us as, as leadership being uh, in our early 20s and really not, not knowing much. Uh, and so I think it's as, as much a reminder to us as it is to everyone else um, that exercising emotional intelligence, having, you know, we've read a lot of books about it as a team. Uh, One of our favorites is Crucial Conversations. It's about honesty. It's about um, confrontation in a way that that has compassion and and can be constructive. Right. and, and, And really working together as a team and being real. Yeah, I've heard candor. That's a word people use often to describe that. Is that right? That's right. Absolutely. Right. And it's okay to have the hard conversations. You have to have the hard conversations, but do so in a constructive way. I want to talk about your value of continuous self-improvement. Tell me why that's important and maybe some examples of how it plays out. Absolutely. So continuous self-improvement is so important for us. And this really stemmed from, I think, being a high growth company under young leadership, we realized early on how much we didn't know. And we realized that if we did not constantly strive to get feedback and improve as leaders, then our people wouldn't do it and we wouldn't progress as an organization. And so the way this is played out is, uh, one is coaching. We're a culture of coaching. We're a culture of feedback. So uh, everyone from Bryce and myself and others are the ex- members of the executive team have coaches. Um, a lot of our managers really do kind of uh, do coaching sessions with some of their direct reports and making sure that people are have 
uh, room for professional development. Uh, we have professional development budgets for people to do things and explore areas that they're passionate about. And ultimately, as a company, trying to innovate, if you're not improving and constantly looking to improve, you're not going to disrupt the status quo, which is something that we are trying to do in our space. Absolutely. Yeah. And does this one, have you felt that it passed the three tests that we talked about earlier? Yes, I think so. Because if people are stuck in their ways and are not open to improvement and not open to receiving feedback, they do not work in our culture. They can be great, but if they're stuck in their ways, uh, they're not going to work in the culture because there are always ways to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And it would help people who do sort of align with the idea of self-improvement and constant learning. It would make, you know, Tasca stand out as a great place to work as well. That's right. So tell us also, you have a Task Us, I don't know the official name, a charitable foundation that seems also tied to this continuous improvement value. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So education is a cause that we're really passionate about. And there's uh, two different ways that we give back. One is uh, to the local community in where we operate. So in the Philippines, we have something called the Task Us Scholars Program. And so if you're an employee of Task Us, as, as long as you've been an employee for at least a year, you can apply and everyone who's in good standing gets accepted um, to the Task Us Scholars Program, where we pay for the private schooling of one of the children of our employees. Um, so it's a great perk for employees and also a way that, that we can give back and make sure that the children of our employees are getting great educations because unfortunately, uh, the public school system in the Philippines is really poor. Got it. Wow. That is a really wonderful initiative. And it's definitely a clear signal that you really do care about people in the countries you operate in. So that's really cool. Thanks for sharing about that. Thank you. And we're involved with some organizations here in Los Angeles, most notably NIFTY, which is the Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship. Um, oh. It teaches entrepreneurship classes at inner city high schools uh, and middle schools. Uh, it's a wonderful program. And so our HQ uh, employees volunteer. We donate money. Um, and it's an organization we're really passionate about. So we're hearing about these specific values. How do you ensure that the people who work at Task Us are living those core values and, and living up to the standards that they set? Yeah, it's a great question, Brian, because what we've noticed is just putting them on the wall isn't enough. There has to be frequent reminders. And so I'll give you a couple of examples. One is in our team meetings, whether it's an all hands meeting here in HQ or department meeting. Uh, we end every meeting with core value stories or core value nominations where you nominate a colleague for a specific action lived in the past week or past quarter, if it's like a quarterly meeting, and you nominate them for the core value that was lived and the specific action that they did. That's cool. Yeah. So we have that. We also have uh, something here we just recently started called Cop Doing a Core Value, where <laughs> I like that. <laughs> where it's it's the same thing, but it happens kind of you know whenever and someone go and we have a big plexiglass box and uh, and notepads and you just go up, you write the person's name, you drop it in, and then uh, on a weekly basis um, we pick one of those names and someone spins the uh, the the wheel of ridiculousness, which is um, <laughs> which is uh, a bunch of prizes that you that you can win. So that's it's just one fun thing that we've done, but those core values has been huge. Um, and then also uh, performance feedback, whether it's good or bad, we try and encourage our managers when they're giving feedback to others to relate them to the core values. So, hey, you did this. And that's great because you're living the core value, uh, always strive for excellence. 
or, hey, you did this and that wasn't so good because that did not exemplify this core value. And so making sure feedback, both positive and negative, is reinforced by the core values has also been uh, an effective way to make sure people really comprehend and live these core values. That's incredible. I've never heard of a program or sort of a game like that, but I can absolutely see how that would keep the core values front and center in people's minds. And you sort of notice them in the moment, which would be just a wonderful way to instill them. So great work on that. It sounds pretty incredible. Thank you. So before you go, what can you tell us about the future of Task Us? What's next for you guys? The future of Task Us, um, we are really focused right now on building our San Antonio office uh, and offering a domestic uh, solution to our clients. So you can have part of your customer service in it from a U.S.-based facility and part in, in the Philippines. That's really important to us and we'll continue to have global scale. And then um, we're doing a lot in terms of partnering with bleeding edge customer experience technologies. So we can help our clients really set up the ultimate combination of best-in-class technology with the people and process of Task Us to really revamp and drive our customers, customer service organizations and customer experiences into the digital age. It's something that we're really excited about. Aha. It sounds like you're kind of hinting around artificial intelligence. Do you think there will be an impact of AI and sort of non-human-based automation on Task Us in the next few years? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, AI has become a really sexy topic in the tech media. Oh, yes. Here's how we look at it. Uh, we look at it again. Remember I said everything is about the employees and the strategic decisions we make are based on the employee experience. Mm -hmm. I don't think automation is going to come in and redundate a bunch of jobs. What we look at it for is empowering our teammates to be more effective. And if clients gain in efficiency, that's fantastic. That means our teammates can focus on higher function and higher level things that they're better suited for and let the automation take care of the easiest things. So I don't think it's going to remove jobs. I also think we're so nascent in those technologies that practical applications of them really are going to be quite slow to adopt. And it'll take at least five years before we really see any kind of serious impact. Yeah, but you're well poised to sort of take advantage of any technological updates there. Exactly, right? Like we don't, we look at it not as a competitive threat. We look at it as how can we create this into an opportunity? And we think it's amazing what's going on. And so we're just trying to keep our fingers super close to the pulse. Very smart. Well, Task Us is clearly a ridiculously awesome company. Definitely one we should all watch if you weren't already watching. I think there's a lot other leaders can learn from the culture you're growing, like with these games and the framework that you laid out of three tests for each core value. For people who want to find out more or maybe even see what roles are available in all of your different locations, where should they go? Come to the website, taskus.com. Check us out on Facebook or Twitter, any social network. Um, and feel free to connect with me personally on LinkedIn or Twitter, just uh, at Jasper Weir. Thanks so much for your time, Jasper. Thanks so much, Brian. Well, that's it. The end of season one. My plan is to pause production for a moment to reflect on what's working and what could be better. I might release some bonus material to highlight some themes that surfaced in season one and maybe share some audio that didn't make it into the final cut of previous episodes. I would love to hear your ideas for what I should do in season two. What mission-driven companies and people would you like to hear about? Have any feedback to help me improve? Well, get in touch. 
I'm at Brian Landers, that's Brian with a Y on Twitter, or you can email brian at missionandvalues.co. Come and sign up for the email list on missionandvalues.co to stay tuned for what's next. And you can find show notes there too. If you like the show, please help share it. If you leave a review on iTunes, I would be forever grateful. All the theme music in season one is by trumpeter Shane Ensley. He and the other astounding musicians you're hearing are in a band now called Nebot that you should definitely check out. Go to K-N-E-E-B-O-D-Y.com to see what they're up to. I'm honored you shared your time with me and I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening to Mission and Values. 